Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 388. I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Jamie, a.k.a. Agent Asgard! Yes, indeed! And we have a trio of top news tidbits this week. First up, it is the War of the Realms! Oh, if only we could overlay that beautiful, beautiful soundtrack by Jimmy Urin. I know. So good, so magical. Uh, But it's the War of the Realms release week. The big, epic universe-spanning event by Jason Aaron, Russell Dodderman, and Matthew Wilson kicked off with the first issue hitting comic shops and digital releases. This week, uh, it is big and nasty and funny and weird and gorgeous and emotional and is just friggin' awesome. It is everything you could ever want and probably more. Yeah. what, What is really great is it's super easy to jump into no matter what comics or stories you're reading or your level of knowledge. It's just like, hey, here's big problems, here's big Marvel heroes, here's a big battle and emotional stakes and world-changing stuff, like, all around it. That's exactly what I thought when I read it, because there is a checklist that will be very handy while you're reading the series, but you really can dive right in. It's it's a really well-written story. It's setting everything up just in a very terrifying and fun way. Yeah. We talk about it a bunch on this week's episode of Marvel's The Pullist. So you check that episode out. You could also go to marvel.com slash War of the Realms. Uh, you could see my video of getting a War of the Realms rune tattoo with writer Jason Aaron, uh, which is real fun. You can listen to the official soundtrack by Jimmy Urin of the band Mindless Self-Indulgence, which Jamie was talking about, and get so much more. It's really cool. Yes, very big news week. Yeah, it's release week for Marvel's Cloak and Dagger Season 2. I believe there are two episodes that went up this week, and it's uh, the season has kicked off. Very exciting. Tons of features and videos and previews and fun bits on Marvel.com all about the show. Plus... This week, our pals Lorraine Sink and Angelique Roche started with their podcast, the Marvel After Show podcast for Marvel's Cloak and Dagger Season 2. You can go subscribe to that. There was a little teaser on the This Week in Marvel feed. Third piece of big top news is that the tickets are on sale this week for Marvel Studios Avengers Endgame, which like broke records. It's breaking the internet as yeah. well. Uh, and, you know, like selling out theaters far and wide in all the best ways possible. Now we are less than a month away from the the movie releasing, which... It's this month. I can't believe it. So exciting. So if you haven't gotten your tickets yet, go to marvel.com, go to fandango.com, or wherever you usually get your advanced tickets. Go right now. Three weeks from today. My goodness. So we're going to get to more newsy stuff real soon, but this episode has so much cool stuff in it on top of all the things we talked about. We're going to get to two big guests this week. Uh, We're going to have James Monroe Iglehart and Travis McElroy. So these are two newly minted Marvel Comics writers. Their first Marvel projects are uh, James's is out and Travis's comes out next week, I believe. Um, And so they're they're lovely dudes. These guys have really fun careers. James being on Broadway and Travis being a big podcast guy. We'll get to all that in a bit. But first, things we're hyped about this week, comma. Including news. Yes, there you go. We we talked about the tickets on sale. Yes, we did. And so what else do we have about Marvel Studios Avengers Endgame? So in addition to the tickets coming out, we got a first look at toys by Hasbro and figures by Diamond Select. We got that first look on Sunday, so you can check out Marvel.com to see all that stuff. It's all your favorite heroes, and maybe there's some costumes that are kind of new to see. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I... The, the section isn't like, here's all the news. Yeah. It's the stuff that 
we look at, we get excited about, we think about like, oh, this is something I want to talk about. And so I was looking on uh, on the site and we have a new column on Marvel.com called Best of the Decade. And it is written by former This Week in Marvel co-host and a very dear friend of mine, Ben Morse. And so he basically talks to a great writer or a great artist about their like single favorite issue in a decade. This week on Ben's column was with Patrick Zercher talking about Strange Tales number 178 from the mid-1970s, and it is just this part of one of the coolest arcs. It's Jim Starlin doing a super weird Adam Warlock cosmic bonanza. It is awesome. Every time I get the chance to look at Jim Starlin's cool cosmic stuff, it always makes me really happy. Like whenever I'm putting together a piece for .com and looking for images and it's like, oh, it's going to be a Starlin piece. Yeah. And what a perfect name for all these cosmic <laughs> adventures. Totally. I, if you look at the way Starlin drew Thanos's soldiers, like these weird aliens, he was just like, oh, what is this guy going to look like? It's going to look completely different from that guy. And it's just so much cool stuff in those comics. I love them, love them, love them so much. Uh, we were talking about War of the Realms at the beginning of the show. Jamie, what do you, what else do you want to say about the book? I was just telling Ryan before the show, I keep forgetting that that this kind of story, the Asgardian, the big um, epic stuff can be so funny. I think that's what one of the things Jason does so well. Yes. Adds yes. the heart and the humor amidst like these massive stories that just seem so, so big and so world shifting. But they have those human, you know, even if they are Asgardian, they have those human moments to them, those really funny, warm bits. Also really cool, the Webby Awards. The Webbies. That's what the, the sound that they make, oh, right? Oh, now, oh man, this works on so many levels. Yep. I wasn't even thinking about it. So Marvel.com, Marvel Unlimited, Marvel's Wolverine the Long Night, as well as Marvel Contest of Champions, and Marvel Strike Force, all nominated for Webbies this year. You can visit the Webby-nominated-marvel.com to cast your votes now. Uh, I did want to point out, too, it's not... I don't have a like a link to vote, but I just wanted to throw some praise to some Marvel people who are up for Hugo Awards. Oh, uh, word. Hugo, big deal. And so Shauna McGuire, Saladin Ahmed, and Nettie Okorafor and Brian K. Vaughn, all Marvel creators, uh, especially Shauna and Saladin and Nettie, all current Marvel creators, up for Hugos for their non-Marvel work. Yeah. I know, uh, I know Nettie is up for two. Yeah. For, yeah, one exactly. One for a Marvel work and one for a non-Marvel. So. Yes. Uh, and the Marvel work is Black Panther, Long Live the King. She is up for it with, uh, along with Aaron Covington. They were co-writers on it, along with art by Andre Lima Arujo, Mario Del Pinino, and Tana Ford. Plus, a trio of Marvel movies are nominated. You've got Marvel Studios' Avengers Infinity War, Marvel Studios' Black Panther, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. All up for awards. Plus, I just have to give a shout out because uh, one of my favorite writers, Becky Chambers, she is up for an award. I love her series of novels that's on there. She's not doing any Marvel work, but she's just great. Just props all around. Yeah. Oh, and my wife's friend, Sarah Pinsker, she's up for an award, too. Congrats to you all. Yeah. And good luck. It's exciting. It is super exciting. It's really good stuff. Also, this week is WrestleMania. I'm very excited because all the wrestlers are in town. I don't really get a chance to see most of them, but uh, I am going to NXT. And then Sunday is the big show of WrestleMania. It is literally like seven hours long. That's so What's going to happen? That's so much wrestling. But the coolest thing, <laughs> this is the first time in the 35 years of WrestleMania that uh, a woman's match is going to main event the show. Nice. Final match of the night. 
Uh, it's going to be awesome. Becky Lynch, who is a friend of Marvel. She's been here before. Charlotte Flair, who is just the best. And then Ronda Rousey, the trio, are going to have a, a real great match. And, you know, Johnny Gargano, he's a big Marvel guy. He's been on the show. He's going to be in the main event for NXT. Uh, and there's a bunch of Marvel fans across all the WWE brands. So it's it's a pretty cool weekend. Groovy. Yeah. So groovy. It's pretty neat. Jamie, I see on our document you wanted me to talk about the Marvel Comics editorial retreat. Yes, as much as you possibly can without losing your job. I can't talk about nothing. (laughs) Uh, You know, you hear Marvel people talk about it here and there of like this mythical thing of it's a giant room. We bring in like 10 plus writers who have all the editors in there. You have a bunch of creative people all, all coming together to shape the future of Marvel Comics. And so I sit on the side and I take furious notes for three straight days and I listen and I threw a little idea to uh, Kelly Thompson and Jake Thomas for a project that they're working on. And I was like, you know, trying to help them with something that I think could be fun. But they don't need me. The ideas coming out of this retreat are so good, so fun. There's such energy. Uh, I think a lot lot of that comes from Marvel Comics editor-in-chief C.B. Sobolski, and just what he's trying to do with the line and the excitement that he's bringing to the table and fostering in all the creatives. It's it's really exciting. What is the coolest part of the process for you to watch? Like, has anything unexpected ever happened? Always. Always. There's always unexpected things. There's someone comes in with an idea on Monday and then by Wednesday, it's completely different. But I, I also love seeing someone come in with an idea and then the rest of the room is just like, that was amazing. And you, like they clap, they applaud because they're so much behind all these things. Or you see someone like Al Ewing, who has only been coming to these for you know a year or two years, whatever it is, who has done such phenomenal work on Immortal Hulk, where like everybody gave it up to Al, rightfully so, being like, dude, what Al and artist Joe Bennett and editor Will Moss and, and the rest of the crew have been doing is so focused and smart and fun. And it, it gets everybody else supercharged to tell the stories that everybody wants to read. That makes me very happy. Yeah. That's what should get everybody excited about Marvel. Heck yeah. But that's the future. Yeah. We've that's the future. also got to talk about this week in Marvel history oh, yeah. here uh, because as we are celebrating Marvel's 80th anniversary, I pulled some uh, fun facts from across our 80 years spanning the week of April 5th through April 11th. Uh, let's dive into a couple of these and the rest will be on Marvel.com. April 5th, 1947 is the oldest one I have this week and it is Namora debuting in Marvel Mystery Comics number 82. She's Namor's cousin and a member of the Agents of Atlas. So she, you know, debuts in 47. She shows up a little bit here and there. She has a a costume kind of similar to what Namor would have later on. She's awesome. She's brought back in the 50s, and then she's again brought back for Agents of Atlas. Very cool. Now, is everyone in the Namor family tree somehow named Namor? No. Namor, Namor, Namorita, and Namora. That's it. That's just the three. (laughs) Yeah. As far as I know, it's just those three. Uh, But then we jump ahead to 1962, April 10th. The greatest villain in all of comics debuts in the pages of Fantastic Four number five with Doctor Doom. But you also get Doctor Doom's great tiger, 
his vulture, his time platform, a Doombot, also the thing as a pirate. First time you see Thing as a pirate. Oh, it's yeah. Five issues in. <laughs> and he looks great. And uh, he loves it. Yeah. What I love about that is that I, I feel like Ben is so upset and down about becoming the thing, but when he gets to be a pirate, he's like worshipped. And he's like, yeah. this might be fine. Because no pirate can beat him. He's just awesome. Yeah. He's really cool. Uh, all right, so let's jump one year later to April 9th, 1963, which is a very important date because in the pages of Strange Tales number 110, you get Doctor Strange, the Ancient One, Nightmare, Wong, the Sanctum Sanctorum, the Dream Dimension, the Astral Plane, and the Eye of Agamotto all debuting in this story by uh, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, and it is a great debut story. That's like eight pages. That's not even the first story in that issue. It is so darn good. Uh, same day. Over in Amazing Spider-Man number three, Dr. Octopus makes his first appearance along with the spider signal gadget. Doc Ock, arguably the most important villain in, in Spider-Man canon, up there with Green Goblin, depending on who you ask, I think. So one year later from that, 1964, Green Goblin debuts in Amazing Spider-Man number 14. So like we were saying, arguably the greatest Spider-Man villain. I mean, he's definitely in that conversation. It's tough. Look at this. The 60s are wild. April 11, 1967, Wilson Fisk debuts in the pages of Amazing Spider-Man number 50, which also is one of the most iconic Spider-Man covers ever. It's the Spider-Man No More cover with oh, the, uh, the, 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 the costume in the trash can. Yeah. Correct. It's really, really cool. And of course, Wilson goes on to be the kingpin and so important to so many stories. Um, okay, so let's jump ahead. April 10th, 1973. We talked about the first appearance of Green Goblin happening this week, but he also, quote unquote, died. Uh, in the uh, pages of Amazing Spider-Man, number 122. So Gwen dies the previous issue. The how of it, did Spider-Man kill her? Did she die from the fall? fall? That's, you know, always been up for debate. Here, Here's, okay, let's settle this right now. She only fell because Goblin threw her. I'm not getting involved. I'm not, I'm not getting myself entwined in this how it happened. It, there's no matter what. She died, and it's terrible. It's terrible, but Spider-Man was trying to save her from something, an action that was caused by Goblin. Sure. So, yep. that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yes, but the debate about it is sort of racks Peter Parker to his core. But in 122, Green Goblin dies because he tries to impale Spider-Man on the Goblin glider. Spidey dodges it. Goblin ends up impaling himself. So, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. It's karma, folks. Yeah. And then finally this week, April 10th, 2015, the first season of Marvel's Daredevil is released on Netflix. And I specifically remember being at C2E2 in Chicago when this happened and jumping on like there were like these live tweets that we we're doing, the hype around it, the fan excitement. That Friday was so much fun. And what a great show. Yeah. So good. All right. So that's our history. You can see the full uh, rundown on Marvel.com. Jamie's going to put that together. And then let's see. What else we got? This week, we got to talk about the new books out and the top picks from this week's episode of Marvel's The Pull List. Conan the Barbarian, number five. Major X, number one. Immortal Hulk, number 16. And War of the Realms, number one. This is a week. Oh my god. Oh, it's goodness. a week. Also Domino Hotshots number two. It's, it's, it's really number, good. It's so fun. Yeah. I love Domino. I love the Hotshots. I love Gail Simone and David Baldeon working together. Ugh, I love it. And Deadpool's in this one too. So yes. it's ridiculous and fantastic. Indeed it is. You know what else is ridiculous and fantastic? 
our interviews this week. But before hey. we get there, we have to give a big thank you to our advertiser this week, Marvel's Cloak and Dagger Season 2. Oh my gosh, Jamie, Freeform's original series, Marvel's Cloak and Dagger, is back. So excited, Marvel fans! In Season 1, we met Ty and Tandy as they discovered their new superpowers. Ty, Cloak, can control the realm of darkness, and Tandy, Dagger, can shoot daggers of light from her hands. And in this new season, we're going to see that there's so much more on the horizon for them. They're going to have to embrace their powers, they're going to have to figure out their powers, and do it all very quickly, because whether they like it or not, mayhem is coming. Oh, mayhem. Sounds pretty dangerous. And you can stream season one on the Freeform app, on demand, or on Hulu. And season two is rockin' and a-rollin'. All right, so we've got plenty more show for you before you start watching more of Marvel's Cloak and Dagger. As we said earlier in the show, the first two episodes of which are available right now. They came out this week. But we got to go to our interviews, which first up is James Eigelhart, uh, who... He's just the best. I love James. I've known him a couple years. When you listen to this interview, we're going to talk about a mutual friend of ours who is one of James's closest friends who's been a good friend of mine for a bunch of years. It's really funny because I didn't know them because of each other. I just met them separately and then realized that they are like friends since they were 13 years old. Oh, man. <laughs> only recently, which is just the wildest thing. It's a huge universe and yet such a small one. It really is. <laughs> But James is great. He, you know, he has a Tony Award winner for Disney's Aladdin on Broadway. Uh, he played the genie. Now he has Amazing. moved over to Hamilton, where he plays Thomas Jefferson and Lafayette. I'm also excited because James's first Marvel comic work is now out in the world. As Marvel Comics presents issue number three, the story is really good. It involves wrestling. It involves Spider-Man. It involves you know the things that James is passionate about. And you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole lot of fun. Uh, so enjoy this interview with James Monroe Eigelhart. How you doing, brother? I'm excited. You have no idea. <laughs> you are so cool as a cucumber <laughs> literally 30 seconds ago. I understand that. I understand. But then there's a moment where like, I'm like, okay, cool. She's looking at the camera. All right, look at the camera. You look over, he goes, that's Doctor Strange. I'm so sorry the Marvel geek in me just goes nuts. I know. It's awesome. I know. We're here talking yes. this week at Marvel. Most and definitely. what I always like to find out is what is your Marvel origin story? How did you first get connected to the Marvel characters, stories, the worlds that make up Marvel? Um, my... I call him my big brother. He is my best friend since I was a kid, since I was 14. His name is John Long. He is going to get embarrassed by the fact that we're talking about him. He's good friend. Uh, good of friend of also of, uh, of this one, too. So here's the fun part. Uh, I was, I'm a huge Batman fan. And so that, don't get me wrong. But I'm we'll, listening. We'll get into it. So I say this to John, and he looks at me, and he goes, so, you know, what else do you read? And I was like, yeah, Batman, dude. And he was like, that's it? He goes, you have no idea what you're talking about. I was like, what? He was like, you don't know comics. You don't know comics. He goes, let me let me introduce you to a world that you have no idea what's going on. And like, he just laid it all out in the line. I mean, I was like, Spider-Man. I was like, yeah, I know Spider-Man. And he laid down, you know, Wolverine. He was like, yes, Logan. I'm like, no, it's Wolverine. He's like, no, his name is Logan. <laughs> and he would just go down the line from, you know, the Avengers to Alpha Flight. I mean, to the X-Men. I mean, it just all went down the line. And it was amazing. My world was complete. It's like that little emoji where you're, you're, you know, your head explodes. I was exposed to this whole different world and it changed everything because at the time Transformers were also being you yeah. know done in, in the with, with Marvel so it was a whole different thing so basically he brought came to my house with this thing of comics and once I got into it I've, I've just been there ever since it's just a whole different thing it was 
freaking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard that story about John. And he yeah. and I have been friends for like a decade or more. And he's always been like, his heart is marvelous. Look, we were, we would drive down the street. This is the honest to God truth. We would drive down the street in his broken down rabbit. And we called it Cyclops because the uh, the VW symbol was off. So it was just a big hole in the grill. <laughs> and he would drive. And every time he would, he would, he would emphasize things by going... Holy crap! He's making claws with his hands, and so I had to, I had to know these references that he was making, and so yeah, so Jay, he's so Jay, nerdy, Jay, Jay is, is the best. Nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been waiting to do I've been waiting to talk about him like this in a in a public forum like this for a long time. Oh so my this god, is great. this makes me so happy. This is great. Uh, we're not going to talk about John the whole time. No, unfortunately. no, we'll be good. A lot of fans know you uh, for your role as the genie. Yes, in Disney's Aladdin on mm -hmm. Broadway. Yes, how did you do that? Like, where did that start? You were um, on Broadway already before that, Yes, right? I was on Broadway with the show uh, Spelling Bee, uh, 25th Annual Putnam Spelling Bee, and also Memphis, the Tony Award-winning show from 2010. And then um, I was doing Memphis at home, looking at Broadway.com one day and saw that they were doing Aladdin at the Fifth Avenue in Seattle. And what most people don't know, what people know now, that Genie's my favorite character in the whole Disney pantheon. There's like Genie, Goofy, Donald Duck, like, and Darkwing Duck. Those four are like my people. And so um, I called everyone I could possibly call. I'm like, look, please let me in. I want to audition for Genie. I, I have to. Most people don't know this, that my wife and I would go to Disneyland and watch the Aladdin Spectacular. I've seen it 14 times. And every, each time they auditioned, they were only auditioning brothers for Jafar. And I was like, I don't want to play Jafar. I want to play the Genie. That's, that's the it. And I, in my head, you know, as, as a little black kid, I was like, there's no way they're going to let me do it. But they finally called me in. I was in the last call of auditions. I was the last brother in New York that they called. They called every dude. Every brown dude they call but me. So finally I got in and I told my wife, I said, look, they're going to love me or hate me because I rewrote the script. I said, no, I had some friends on the inside and nobody was improving or anything. So I rewrote my own jokes, walked in there, did it. And they looked at me like, this boy's crazy. We should hire him. So that's <laughs> how I got the gig. That's amazing. I yeah. love that. Like, And that's a good testament to, you know, fans always ask how you break into comics, how you break into whatever industry is like. Sometimes you got to make your own rules and you got to do it your own way. And if it doesn't work, you're yeah, in the same I mean, place you were before. Right. I mean, you, you know, you don't know further or no, you know, back where you were. But I know that character, and also I'm a huge fan of stand-up comedy, and I know that you have to do the unexpected and go for it. And so that poor reader who read with me, he had no idea where I was because I was just making up crap, and he was like, "That's not on the paper." <laughs> and that's what they loved. And then, of course, when we got into it, Disney was like, "Okay, this is the box you can play in. Don't go out of here." And I was like, "Ah, that's the safe speech you gave Robin Williams." So I'm in good company. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, for now, you're in Hamilton. Yes, yes Which I has got to be a, a blast. It is crazy. I mean, I get to rap every night. This is what I dreamed about when I was in high school. I'm like, I'm going to be a rapper. And deep down, I was like, that's not going to happen. I'm not hard enough for that. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not black enough for that. Don't get me wrong. I am, the, I am the blackest of black men, but I am not black enough to be like, yo, I'm a rapper for a living. Nah, that's not it. But the fact that I get to do this and to do it on Broadway is awesome because the show is amazing. Um, you know, beyond the, the craziness of the fandom, and what it's done for the culture and what it's done for Broadway in general. Just being a part of the show is a lot of fun. It's Once you hear that beat, it's, it's hard not to smile and go out there and want to kill it. Yeah. And then, like, I've only gotten to see the show once. Uh, it was during Lynn's run, but he had, like, gone to hang out with the Obamas the yeah. night before. Uh -huh. And uh, so we had, uh, who was, uh, Javier? Yes. Uh, who was so good. Yes. And I've listened, like, I love Lynn's work, but I... Like Javier's voice and like his performance is what I think, or what I've always thought of because of yeah. what I saw. Right. And then, you know, you're in there and you're watching it. It's an amazing show. And there's kids there who got to go to the show with 
like affordable tickets, which mm-hmm. is so awesome. It makes me yes. so happy. Yeah, I got I got the privilege of actually uh, when I stepped into the show, Javi was my 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 Hamilton. So I got to rap with Javier for a good year, and that was amazing. The boy is a beast, and um, the fact that we have this thing called Edgeham, it's where they actually bus kids in like on Wednesdays and the matinees, and they teach them the curriculum of Hamilton, and then they bring them to the show, and they actually some of them some each school gets to do like a little um, sketch that they've written about history and then they watch the show an hour later and then of course during the shows we still have kids that are bust in that have affordable tickets to see Hamilton so the fact that we can actually bring Broadway to a whole new generation of kids that usually wouldn't see it and it's a type of show that they can actually get into it's really really fulfilling to watch them get into it and what's funny is a lot of them already know the lyrics so messing up <laughs> is the worst thing <laughs> Because you have people in the audience rapping with you like, I'm in the cabinet. I am complicit. You're like, I can't mess up. Can't, don't look at them. Don't look at them. Because they're, they're rapping to you. And if you mess up, they just go. You can see them go, Ur! they go, I'm in the cabinet. That's not what he said. <laughs> you can see them whispering to each other. You know. Look, I, they have to have a little understanding. You're doing this all the time. You sometimes Listen, Just something happens. If you paid all this money to see Hamilton, you want to see it right and you want to see it perfect. Especially if you know it. That's the fun thing. Like, if you know it, like, these people better know this damn show. So, <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, I will never forgive you if you mess up. No, no trust me, please. We have this. Uh, well, I just probably shouldn't say. Yeah, nope. we do it. Uh, this thing called hashtag Burr's Corner. So if you go on hashtag Burr's Corner, you can see all the different mess ups from different uh, Hamilton Ooh. casts all around the nation. It is hilarious. Amazing. I am a part of many of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I want to get back to comics a little cool. bit. So uh, our friend John, he got you hooked into Marvel. What are some of your favorite comics now, thinking about your whole life now reading comics? Oh, uh, Secret Wars, when Spider-Man got the symbiote suit for the first time, I think I lost it because I went out and tried my best to buy the action figure that they had. Right. They oh, had, yeah. Yeah, that one. Um, uh, Infinity Gauntlet, of course, because I love it. Also, um, the okay, I'm going to be, the Marvel fans are going to kill me. There's the the Wolverine where he he falls in love and, of course, and goes and, like, you know, loses it when the... Um, Which one? There's the, every no, Wolverine the, um, story. Right, no. Um, Origin? Yes. Yes. And, of course, he loses, loses his love and goes off and starts killing everybody. I loved it. Thought it was great. And uh, the last one I really got into, I really got into, and I think because I met him, Dan Slott's Superior Spider-Man. Because I've never been so happy and mad at the same time. <laughs> You know what I mean? That's pretty much You're everyone saying, who works with Dan has never been so happy <laughs> and so mad at the same time. And, and, I love but, you, Dan. But also, there's there's one other guy because uh, it was it was a Star Trek novel that got me into this guy. Yeah. Um, I read a Star Trek novel written by Peter David, and then I got into his Incredible Hulk, which got me into the Great Hulk and all the cool stuff. And I read, didn't even know who the guy was, and didn't realize that I had looked up the book he wrote about writing comics. And then when I met him at Comic-Con, I just freaked out. And then I walked up to him and I was like, hi, I'm James, you're Peter David, it's amazing. And he said, hey, are you coming to the panel? I'm like, no, I gotta get back to my show. And he leaps up, now think about this, Peter leaping, leaping. Leaping up, Kane up, you're the genie! And I was like, oh God, and we've been friends ever since. So I've gotten to actually be friends with the guys that I actually enjoy their comics. So between Secret Wars, Infinity Gauntlet, uh, that Wolverine story, and then the Hulk, and then of course, you know, just Dan Slott's craziness of what happened. You know, you ever ever just read something like, it's, it's like, it's so cool, but you're like so mad because people die in comics and they always come back but this time you just didn't think it was happening you're like they really killed peter how could they do that it was awesome yeah i have at times just taken comics thrown them on the ground and walked away like just <laughs> yes, so yes and i love it yeah, but yeah. i'm just so angry 
Yeah. Uh, we got to talk about writing comics. Yes. Because you you have your first story coming up. I do. Marvel Comics for this. Yeah. It, it's a Spider-Man story, right? Yes, With Ray Spider-Man Anthony Height. Yes. Who's awesome. Who is a beast because he's doing Moon Girl right now. And I, um, they told me he was going to draw it. And so I, I wrote the story and I sent it to the editors, um, Chris and, uh, and Jordan. I thought it was really, really cool. And... I, I really hoped that they they would like it, and when they told me they dug it, I was like, cool. And they were like, oh, by the way, this is the guy that's going to draw your stuff. And they just sent me a picture that he had with Moon Girl and Spider Man, and I was like, holy crap, it's real now. And Ray Anthony is a beast. So shout out to Ray Anthony. Also, the first, I believe, um, professional comic artist from Compton, California. So yo, what's up with the CPT? Work out, Ray Anthony. Is that real? Yes, that's great. Yes, most definitely. He's most really good. And and and, the, and, the, and in my opinion, the story is good. But if if you don't like the story, the artwork is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to talk a little bit because we share a love of the greatest sport of all. Yes, wrestling. Yes, professional wrestling. Yeah, uh, as Ric Flair says it, the greatest sport of them all. Yes. <laughs> You ready for WrestleMania? I think you weren't we talking about this recently. Yes, I am going to WrestleMania. Yes, yeah. I, I will. Got to go to WrestleMania. I, I will be there. I, I I let a friend of mine, uh, the guy who played the guy who plays Aaron Burr in San Francisco, Mr. Donald Weber. I let him go. I had a ticket, and he was like, "I want to go." And so I I stood back and went back to my show. I let he and his wife go to uh, WrestleMania in uh, in New Orleans, and I stayed home. So this time I'm definitely going. Yeah, there was an event at uh, Radio City when they were here last time, and uh, we were gonna go. So uh, I was like, "Oh, I'll bring some comics." I know you know Mark Henry's a fan, a bunch of other people, and I see Mark, and I was like, "Hey, Mark, what's going on?" But here's some comics for you. And he's watching a Spider-Man video on his phone <laughs> at the time. He goes, "Dude." He picks me up in a bear hug, and you know Mark Henry. Mark is huge. He like, and I'm not a small guy, but he just picks me up with like, like a rag doll. He's like shaking me. He's so happy. He's the sweetest dude. He is literally the strongest man alive. Yeah. Like that's not a that's not a moniker Vince gave him. That's yeah. real for real. Yeah, yeah. And I love just like the, the intersections of comics and wrestling and and theater too. It's amazing how the wrestlers, the WWE superstars, or wrestlers in general, come to Broadway and are impressed by what we do. They like, how do you? Do this eight shows a week and I distinctly remember telling them I'm like how do you fall through a table I saw that I literally went to a match and watched the young bucks fall through a table and they came to see Aladdin they were like flipping out and I was like dude what are you talking about what do you, how do you do what you do but they enjoy the athleticism of the athletes that are on Broadway and what we do eight shows a week so it's it's a mutual admiration for, yeah. from both of us and I mean a lot of those wrestlers they're wrestling at least four times a week yeah I want to get to I guess a little bit about like if you have the chance other characters you want to write? Have oh. you thought? I'm sure you've thought yes. about that. Yes. Oh gosh, yes, most yeah. definitely. I, I have a I have a story in my head, um, but it's two characters who um, I love very, very much: uh, Doctor Voodoo and Beast. So I have this thing in my head, and hopefully someday I'll be able to do that. That'd be fun. I'm just starting to like that. Just like populates cool. Like there's <laughs> yeah, real just, fun stuff. When you go, you have you have magic and you have science. And that's kind of, it's kind of fun because it kind of describes my wife and I. My wife is a scientist, so, and I'm a theater person, so I'm all into, you know, magic and make-believe, and she's all into, you know, what is real, what is tangible, what can I prove? And to put those two situations together, it's always fun. Because yeah. we have some amazing, you know, conversations into religion and science, all that kind of stuff, but we're still together and still working hand-in-hand hand because I think it can. And so that's kind of the story I'd like to build if I had the chance with those two characters. Cool. Yeah. I like it. And a lot of my, you know, also I was that kid who always wanted to be different. So all my friends were like, you know, Black Panther, Luke Cage, and this, this. And I was like, is there a magic brother? Now, when I saw Dr. Voodoo, or Brother Voodoo at the time, and now Dr. Voodoo, I was like, okay, that's my guy. That's that's the dude I want to yeah. check out. Uh, he's, he's super cool. Amazing. All right, James, I want to, uh, you and I have known each other a, a while. Yes. Uh, I know you are a very talented freestyler. 
So I, I will say this is not going to be a battle because nope. my rap is like, hi, my name is Ryan and I'm here to say <laughs> I'm looking at my notes in a major way. And so that's still dope. Yeah. Uh, what what's your Spider-Man story about? Who else is in the Spider-Man story? In the story, actually, I do um, let's see uh, Crusher, Crusher Hogan, okay. who was the what, the first wrestler that, uh, that Spider-Man meets. Of course it is. Right. People say write what you know. And I, I was on stage during Hamilton, which is probably not the best place to think of other things. <laughs> and um, I was like... I gotta figure out the story. I gotta figure out the story. I gotta, gotta, I gotta, I gotta get it, get it. And as I, I'm on the surround, this thing that turns, I was like, write what you know, write what you know. What do you know? What do you know? You know musicals. What do you know? You know hip hop. What do you know? You know wrestling. And I go, <gasps> and literally the story came to me in the three hours of Hamilton. So while I'm on the surround, we're doing the beginning of Hamilton. We go to by the end of the show, I had the story at least in plot form, and I went home and wrote it. So I wrote I wrote my story while on stage doing doing the Amazing. Show. And I didn't mess up that night. I was still concentrating. <laughs> nothing on Burr's list, right? Nothing on nothing on Burr's corner, no. Burr's corner. All right. So uh can you do a freestyle on Spider Man and Crusher Hogan? Of course. Okay. How does this work? Um, do I have to give you a beat? No, just give me a finger snap. So, Peter Parker, he got bit by a spider, and then his world got quite wider, but he didn't want to see what he could do. He had to go out there. He just wanted to be cool, but he knew he didn't have a costume yet, but he didn't want people to lose the bet, so he found this wrestling stadium. He went there. The people were elatium, and he walked in. Who was the ring? It's the crusher. He said, yo, I'm that mother. So, let me get in. I call myself the spider, and I'll jump in and just tighter. Boo, and put a move on him. It took him three minutes, but he got the win. And then the brother tried to take the money. He said, yo, you can't deal with me, honey. A guy walks by and, of course, steals the thing. And he, Rospito goes home and does it with ring. And then he comes in. And what does he see? Uncle Ben is dead. He says, no, not the. So he runs back to find out who did it. Oh, my God. It's the guy who he said it. He saw him at the stadium, the one who stole the money. And he runs up to him and says, stop, yo, money. Yo, you killed my uncle. No, you didn't. And then he looks back and says, oh, I freaking messed up. If I'd have stopped you before, I could have seen, I could have won the score. And then that's the moment he decides to become Spider-Man. You got to understand that with great power comes responsibility. So you got to do this. Yo, you got to hear me. Then he goes back and he sees Crusher Hogan again. You want to hear that? Read my story, friend. What just happened? How do you do that? How do you do that? That was magic. <laughs> it was okay. I've done, I've done no, some no, better no. ones, I, but it's, I was it's like, cool. You're telling the story. And I, it's, it's wonderful. I <laughs> was so excited. Thank, Thank you. you for that. You mess up with a freestyle. You make it up. It's improv. Yeah, it's improv. It's amazing. If anybody wants to talk to me about actual you know, battles, come, come to the Richard Rogers. We'll, we'll have it out. We'll turn your cameras off and watch some fun. Oh, I like it. James, thank you for being here on This Week in Marvel. Thank you very much, my man. All right. Thank you to James. Uh, Probably at this point, if you go to my Instagram, Agent M, you're going to see pictures of me and James and my wife at NXT, and he's the best. Uh, Also the best is our second interview of this episode is Travis McElroy of the McElroys of the Adventure Zone podcast of... Me, my brother, and my brother, and me, my brother, my brother, my, my, brother, my brother, and me. But Jamie got it, it right. But we got to talk about Travis because he's just so positive, such good energy, such excitement, and such love for the Marvel characters and everything that he's doing. So he is co-writing Journey into Mystery, one of our War of the Realms books, which sort of is an adventures and babysitting 
type story where yeah. the uh, the new relatively new daughter of Odin and Freya, she needs to be kept safe. So there's a team that gets put together to help keep Lausa safe and they have to take her away from all the action. So you get this ragtag group of babysitters trying to avoid all manner of no goodness. Wasn't the cover also inspired by the movie? There's Booster? a variant cover uh, okay. that is definitely inspired by Adventures in Babysitting. <laughs> It was very good. The comic is great. The first issue was funny and warm and and moved like really, really well. You could tell that the McElroys know how to write comics, know how to tell stories, know how to have fun. It's really, really good. Love it. Yeah. All right. So let's go to that interview with Travis right now. Hi, Travis. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Super good. Awesome. Uh, so you're running the gamut of stuff here at Marvel today, yeah. but we're here to talk just general fun Marvel stuff. And I, I always like to start off the conversation with finding out what is your Marvel origin story? How did you get connected to the characters, the stories, whatever it was? Uh, well, a couple different directions I would say kind of loot me in. One, the 90s X-Men cartoon. I bet that's a big like on-ramp for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. That one, which also has maybe like the best theme song of anything ever because that's when I fell in love with Nightcrawler and Gambit sure who are two of my faves Oof. um and Gambit. The, what yeah that's just what? my thing what I just I've always found him a little sleazy well uh, yeah but that, that, that's the thing I like the idea of a superhero who is also a thief mm-hmm. like that that gives me that gives me I like the thief aspect I just find him a little creepy but but I will say in, in recent times our writers have been making him feel more rounded, and, and I I like him more. I'm warming up to him. Okay. All right. Sorry, I will let you continue. No, that's fine. Um, And then also the Avengers story arc of Wonder Man coming back through Scarlet Witch's powers. Like, she would cast and he would be there. And then the love triangle between Scarlet Witch, Vision, and Wonder Man for some reason, it really resonated with me when I was like 14. And I was like reading this, and I was like, this is it. I think it was because like how inventive it was of like a dead guy, a witch, and a robot are all kind of trying to figure it out. And it's like, <laughs> that is a very interesting dynamic. And like, I just love that. I don't often run into Simon Williams superfans. I love Wonder Man. Which is great. I, I love Wonder Man. Yeah. Also, like now he's sort of made of ionic particles at this point. So at this point, he's back and he's right. a pacifist. Yeah. And he's great. Um, I like any superhero that is a little bit narcissistic. Like uh-huh. that, it really resonates with me. And so like, I like that he is like a superhero, but also like a movie star and like has an agent and everything. I love that. And you know, the pacifist aspect, it took me a little getting used to, but then once I did, I really love it because it's a kind of natural kind of extension of the great power, great responsibility conversation of like literally like he has gone rogue, gone dark a couple times now, and he kind of has this realization about himself of like, I can be very dangerous. And that understanding of like, I need to find ways to help people without putting people in danger Mm -hmm. is such a relatable and interesting aspect. I really like that idea of like being incredibly responsible with your power to the point of like not using it because it's not fair of saying like, I don't want to hurt anybody. I just want to help. And I, and I really, I find that incredibly interesting and compelling. Especially with a character like him who can go toe to toe with the Hulk. Right. And like, 
he's going to be fine. Right. Every, like you're saying, everything around him is not. Right. You can't just be aware and kind and gentle when it's easy. You also have to do it while someone's attacking you. And when you kind of have the impulse, even to defend yourself, you might do more harm than good because you weren't aware of like the impact of your actions. And so I just, I find it fascinating and inspiring. Yeah. And it's great when like these characters take on their own lives. Right. And, like, I was thinking about Wonder Man and one of the things that I I love about him is just his friendship with Beast. Yeah. And just how important that is for the two of them, keeping them grounded, keeping them personable and and reminding themselves that they have these anchors right. in that, each other. For me, in any sort of media, there is nothing I love more than people becoming friends, especially if the people are like pretty different from each other. Like if one is kind of, a, you know, a, an, if one's an intellectual and one's a little bit narcissistic movie star, that, yeah, you got me. <laughs> I'm hooked. Like it's point to any movie or TV show. And if there is like an unlikely friendship in it, I'm in. And like even when we were doing Adventure Zone, like I told Griffin one day, uh, Griffin's my little brother and he DMs. And I said like, I want Magnus to have a best friend. And so like pretty naturally developed this relationship between him and Carrie, who was like a dragonborn person. It was great. Um, and they became best friends. And like, yeah, I find it more interesting than any romance or anything is like, yeah, you know what? This friendship of like, I need you there for me to pull me back in and I'll pull you back in. And because that's sometimes, especially in relationships, they can be really unhealthy and there's, you know, a lot of codependency and enabling and all that. But with friendships, it can go the exact opposite of like, I'm going to be the one that if you cross this line, I'm going to stop you. Yeah. And like, if I need to like stop you, I will because I love you. Not because I hate you, because I love you. I yeah. will stop you. Are you, a, are you a wrestling fan at all? I was when I was younger, a lot of WWF back when that was sure. still a thing. My little brother is now, so I'm kind of like aware of it. My, one of my favorite wrestling moments is Ric Flair, longtime legend, was doing his like retirement run. And his last match, he had to fight Shawn Michaels, who was, they were very close. They had hold, this whole thing. And Shawn was the one to that he wanted him to retire him. And so they're bloody. It's in the WrestleMania. They're in the middle of it. And Ric Flair, he's like wobbling and it's the end of the match and he's crying. He's crying because this is the end of it. And Sean is crying and he's sweating and he just goes, I love you. I'm sorry. And he kicks him and wins. And it's just like he's the only person that can end. Yeah. Like those kinds of. Oh, those friendships. Tracks. It's so tracks. I love it. Friendship is dope. As we it's have said on this show many times, I, I love friendship. So I want to talk a little bit about Journey into Mystery mm -hmm. because, you know, Two-person writing teams, that's pretty normal in comics. We've recently had three-person teams writing an Avengers Weekly book, an X-Men Weekly book, but you're part of this four-man squad, mm -hmm. this family unit, writing Journey into Mystery. How does that work? Well, luckily at this point, we all are very, like, legion, you know? We are many. We are one. Like, we all are very hive mind. And what, okay, so here's what helps. Here's the honest answer. My dad has been writing comic books for a while. My dad wrote comic books when we were kids. So my dad takes point on like structuring, right? He'll write like a rough, like then this person will say something like this and this person will say something like this. And then we all go through and kind of discuss moments and tweak and change lines so that everybody's voices kind of sound a little bit different. And like, so, you know, if there's a dialogue scene, 
then like we'll kind of say like, oh, I, I think he would say something like this. And we all tend to have characters that we gravitate towards and just are inherently interested in. For example, I love a talking dog and I love Wonder Man. So I end up writing a lot of Thor lines and a lot of Wonder Man lines. And so like then you'll say like, I feel like he would say this. I feel like she would say this. I feel like they would say that. And when you do that, then the other person goes, oh, and then I think if I were going to respond to something, it would be kind of like this. And I think what would make this moment work, all oh, this feels like more natural wording. I think it wouldn't work if the four of us were each trying to write it. Sure. Right? Because then you would have four different people writing four different things. Instead, we're all writing it together. And it instead becomes like, hey, I don't know if this is, moment is working and I don't know why not. And then the three of us or four of us or however many is on the call will sit there and go, oh, okay. oh, what if, oh, you know what? I'd like to see something like this. And then we're like, we kind of figure it out, putting the puzzle together, like together. And also, it also really helps that we have grown up. I mean, we've all known each other for the last 30 some <laughs> years. And so we share, like, we've all watched the same movies and read the same books and watched the same TV shows and heard the same songs and get the same references and watch the same comedies and all of that. So, like, while we are all four different people, we share a similar origin story. And so, to use comic book terms. And so then, like, we can pretty much get on the same page together really quickly. And plus, it really helps that with the Adventure Zone, we didn't set out to do this, but with the Adventure Zone, we basically have been writing partners for like the last four years. And so we kind of got really good at listening to and playing off each other in a fairly natural way. And I also, just to reiterate, I can't say enough how much it is that my dad is an amazing collaborator, but he can write something and I can go in and say, I would like to fundamentally change every word in this scene. And he's like, okay. And like, he's really good about it. And like, he doesn't, he doesn't hold anything too precious. If a moment will work better by changing mine, he's totally cool with it. That's great. Uh, you've all worked on the Adventure Zone comic together mm -hmm. already. So has it changed or is it just evolved or like, is it just because you guys are family, it clicked right away? Well, I would love to say it clicked right away. It didn't, but it it wasn't as hard as I think it could have been. Mm -hmm. Because I think when we first sat down to do it, you know, like on a microscope, you have the different like lens settings, mm -hmm. right? It was like finding those different settings where you could say like, I'm gonna, I mean, you can't just zoom in on writing your character, right? You have to think about the comic as a whole, but you can't just think about the comic as a whole because then your character becomes pretty bland. So like finding a balance, a lot of like what I do now and what like Justin and Griffin do, because once again, dad does the structure and then we all go through, is going through and saying, if I had said this line, I would have used this word, right? To make the characters actually sound like we did by playing them. Mm -hmm. But then also having to look at it with the scope of making it work on the, the bigger scale, especially like when we started the graphic novel, we had to find a way to not only adapt it, but to make it make sense, make it seem like this is the graphic novel of the event, not just like the adventures and that we shoved into a graphic novel, but if we had never made the podcast and we had just made a graphic novel, it would be this. And our artist, Carrie Peach and First Second, our publishers were like, we would have two to three hour long phone calls every week of just like the most minute detail of just like, sometimes it would just be like, 
two hours talking about a page because everybody working on it, and I know this is a cliche thing to say, but everybody working on it is a fan of it and we all want it to like live up sure. to what we want it to be. And so like we, just down to facial expressions and like one word choices to make it work. And then I think after the first one, we knew how to do it better. So like the second one, flowed even easier and is better. I mean, it's better not just because we know what we're doing, but because Griffin, as the DM, each one of his stories got better and better. And as we played our characters, we got better and better. So like Here There Be Gerblins is the first one. And then Rockport Limited is the second. And then we're like almost done writing Pedals to the Metal. And like each one I think is getting better and better as you figure out how to do it. And I'm very proud of them. There are, there are moments in it um, that... I just think are absolutely beautiful. And and which is weird to say about your DNT podcast that you turned into a funny book. But I think it's good. Like I'm really proud of it. And I yeah. look forward to um when my daughter is old enough to read, making her read them whether she wants to or not. Good. That's yeah. that's what a father should do. Oh yes. Uh back to Journey to Mystery uh -huh. though. You mentioned you've got Thori in it, you've got a Wonder Man. Who else is in this? So book? it's I try to remember everybody. We got a lot in it. So it's Balder, mm -hmm. Thori. Sebastian Druid, Beth Lockett, Kate Bishop, Miles Morales, Wonder Man. Is that everybody? Balder? Did you say Balder? I think I said Balder. Balder. Seven? Is that right? Yes. I feel like it's seven. We've, we've nicknamed them. This is not official. If you're listening, I know it's not official. We've nicknamed them the Babysitter's Club <laughs> because basically they are watching a baby yes. in, a, in an RV driving around <laughs> the country. Yeah. And it makes me the happiest. Not just any baby, though. It's a very special baby. It's a very special baby. Yeah. I'm just, can I say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we've talked about it's it. It's Thor's younger sister, Lausa, mm -hmm. which is how we've been pronouncing it. <laughs> I hope that's the right way. L-A-U-S-S-A. Lausa? Lausa. Sure. But she, hey, yeah, you know what? I'm writing her. It's Lausa. Yeah. Not a lot of dialogue for the baby. <laughs> and she is super cute, and everyone falls in love with her, and they're driving around with an RV, keeping her safe. But everywhere they seem to stop, there's something there that we gotta deal with. Well, partially because it's during War of the Realms, which Correct. is this giant Marvel Universe story for anybody who doesn't know. And you've got uh, Malekith, who's bringing all the realms to Midgard to take over. Yeah. This is the last stand. Earth's heroes, not just the mightiest heroes, but all of Earth's all heroes. Of Even the lamest heroes. Even Earth's lamest heroes. I don't, probably some hero somewhere in the Marvel canon who's just like double jointed or like they can sleep anywhere. Like that's their ooh. power. They can sleep anywhere and just fall asleep instantly. Narcoleptic man. Yeah. And like they're they're out there fighting too. Yeah. Everyone's Heck in yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody who's ambidextrous and like that's their superhero. <laughs> they're out there fighting too. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So Ares is like chasing after them across oh, no. the desert. Yeah. And they're just trying to keep her safe. Uh, there's a moment I don't really, it's not a big moment. I, I'll just say this. There's a moment of them playing with action figures, and it makes you really happy. <laughs> a lot of real-life experiences going yeah, on. Yeah, right? It's, it's just good. like, well, they're in an RV, and like, we, so we, when we go on tour, like, we travel around as a family, and so, like, there's, like, 15 of us at this point with all the kids and grandparents and stuff like we all go. So we've done a lot of like, you know, five hour drives and like those 15 person vans and stuff. It's a lot. It's very reminiscent of that. <laughs> Amazing. How did it come together that you guys were working on this project? Well, um, we got reached out to of like, hey, we're doing this thing. Would you like to write? And, you know, right off the bat, because we're four goobers, like we're like, you're probably going to tuck us back in a corner with some. And then they were like, and you can have Spider-Man. And we're like, 
wait, hold on. Okay, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, can we have Wonder Man and a talking dog? And they're like, yes. <laughs> um, and like, we've got Thor's babysitting. Like, and I'm like, oh, wait, hold on. Is this an important storyline? Yes. Yeah. Everything's important is what I'm learning about <laughs> the War of the Realms. Everything's important. And so like, Dad understands how important stuff is in pop culture. Justin and Griffin and I, anytime we get offered a project or someone wants to work with us, we just assume that if they want to work with us, it's probably dumb. And then we start working. And I'm like, no, wait, this is actually really cool. Are you sure you want to work well, with that's us? That's the best way to do it, though. Because the come low, and then you're like, oh, this is even better. Are you sure you want to work with us, though? Because we are goobers. And they're like, yeah, I think so. Why should we not? I'm like, no, you should. It's fine. Everything's cool. <laughs> um, and so then, like, we started working on it. And I will say, like, a huge turning point. Like, I knew about Miles Morales. I knew about Miles Morales Spider-Man. And then we went and saw Into the Spider-Verse. And I was like, we are the luckiest SOBs on the planet. Because, like, into the Spider-Verse, I think, is a revolutionary work. I was going to say, like, animation, but I think, like, movie and superhero storytelling in general. And, like, to be a part of the Miles Morales storyline in some way. And also, once again, just to bring it back, to try to bring Wonder Man back into everybody's consciousness is, I want a Wonder Man movie. I want to get that made. Marvel, I know you're listening because I'm sitting in your offices. Wonder Man movie? Maybe think about it. Fingers I've crossed. got some ideas. You talk to me. It's going to be great. I would love Maybe that. a TV show, comics here. You talk to me. Okay, Marvel? I've got ideas. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so one of the things that I was, as I was you know, learning about you, is so many projects. you obviously keeping yourself very busy, a ton of them podcasts. And I'm mm -hmm. sure many of our Twimomaniacs, our listeners, familiar with some or all of them. But one of the things I always keep in my head is everything one does is someone's first experience to them when we're yes. in, in like out there in front of people. So this is someone's first episode of This Week in Marvel. This is someone's first exposure to you. So tell us what your shows are. What are they all about? Um, so the the first one that we started about nine years ago uh, was called My Brother, My Brother, and Me. We still do it now. It's me and my older brother, Justin, and my younger brother, Griffin. And we started it originally because, like, we're very close and we were all moving to different cities. And we wanted an excuse to kind of stay in contact with each other. And so we started doing the show. And it's an advice show. But I say that loosely because we don't actually try to give advice. People write in their questions. And then we mostly end up talking about like TV shows we remember from when we were kids or like weird food we've eaten or something yeah. like that. And we never either we don't end up giving advice or it's very bad. And every time I say one in a million, we might actually give an answer. But mostly it's just the jokes. Um, well, so if let's say Spider-Man Peter Parker has Typical Parker luck, always has a little trouble with, uh, you know, his girlfriends, wife, girlfriends. Whatever storyline we're yeah, in. Yeah. Right. Or his jobs. If he came to you saying, hey, I need some advice on uh, a, a new job, how would you approach that? I would say probably maybe he should be like an acrobat in a circus. I feel like that would make a lot of sense. I feel like he's not playing to his strengths. Got it. You know? Okay. Or okay. maybe just charge people for being Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. We're Thanks, gonna... Spider-Man. You're welcome. That'll be 25 bucks. What? Yeah, you heard me. I live in New York. It's expensive here. I'm just saying, why isn't he charging for his services? Actually... This is a gig economy we're living in. He could set up an app where people could hire him to come and be like, Lyft? Thwip. Yeah, Thwip. There we Boom. go. Perfect. He sets up Thwip. You call him. Maybe he just gives you a ride to work. I would take that. Yeah. Yeah, yes. I'll give him 25 bucks to this swing around I'm the saying. A gig economy, Peter. Get in it. Yeah, there's a great sequence in our current Spider-Gwen, uh, Ghost Spider comic, where Gwen saves someone, and the woman's like, here. And she's like, oh, no, no, no. And, and the woman's like, no, 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 here. 
you obviously need some money. She's <laughs> like, okay, I can eat. It's great. What else? Um, adventure Zone, Oh, so of then we do the Adventure Zone. That's my brothers, again, and our dad, Clint. And it started as a D&D podcast, like an actual play podcast where we play the game. And that's set in, like, you know, Fantasy World, where we play a fighter named Magnus, a wizard named Taco, and a cleric named Merle, who save the universe. So that's Adventure Zone. And if you could bring one Marvel character or like realm or like, you know, thing into one of your Adventure Zone stories, what would it be? I feel like the most useful would probably be like Nightcrawler because we waste a lot of time getting from place to place. (laughs) It'd be really wonderful, especially like one of the toughest things when you play any role-playing game, but especially in like a podcast where like we all record in different cities is like when one character is somewhere and another character is somewhere else, but you're all sitting at the same table and you want to help and you're like, hey, okay, here's a, you know, like, you're not there, shut up. And it's like, but I, but I'm here though, I hear it. And so if we just had Nightcrawler to pick us up and take us to where, the, I guess that's true with any flying superhero, but then you still got to waste time. I want to bamf, boom, boom, and then I'm there. That's the dream. Okay, I like that. Um, and then I do a podcast with my wife called Schmanners, mm-hmm. which is an etiquette podcast. But when I say that, it can oftentimes mislead people and making it sound like judgmental. But we are like a non-judgmental etiquette podcast. Because really, when you learn enough about etiquette and like the history of it, you learn that it is about you and navigating social situations. It, this is the thing that a lot of people have lost sight of with man- manners and etiquette is – I have social anxiety and a lot of people do too. And manners were set up to combat that. So like you could have a roadmap of like, when you get in this situation, do this and this and this, and then excuse yourself. And like, it has helped me become less anxious. Like in small talk, I'm very uncomfortable in small, I'm good at big talk like this. But if someone's like, how's your day? I'm like, uh, it's, uh, yeah, son. <laughs> like, I don't know. So if you, were to help a Marvel character with their etiquette. Mm-hmm. Who do you think? Who do you think needs the most help? The most help? Mm. I mean, I'm looking at Wolverine. <laughs> I'm looking at Wolverine. Hulk. That's but I don't know I, that I'd want to. My brain was with Hulk, but yeah, I don't know that I'd want to do that. Feels tough. You know what? I actually think I could do a lot of good for Tony Stark. <laughs> that fool. He's bad at small talk. He's bad at like looking people in the eye. Yeah. He's bad at like engaging them on a personal level. I. For someone who's so successful in business, I feel like I could really help them out with some Dale Carnegie stuff. Get in there, like, hey, shake their hand, use their name, Tony. I feel like we could get a lot of work done there. That wraps it up. Uh, pick up War of the Realms Journey to Mystery Number One, written by Clint Griffin, Justin, and Travis McElroy. Art by Andre Lima Arahoyo. On sale April 10th. And if you're interested in any of the projects I've just listed, you can go to McElroy.family, M C E L R O Y.family. And there, all of our weird projects are listed there. Terrific. Thanks, Travis. All right, big thanks to Travis for coming in and uh, chatting with me. And reminder that War of the Realms Journey into Mystery number one is available next week, April 13th, 11th, 10th? 10th. 10th. <laughs> April 10th. Numbers. I'm getting dates thrown at me. I don't know what day it is at any given time. We record this in the past, so yeah. it's complicated. It, time doesn't make sense to me anymore. The book is great. Uh, you're going to dig it. And uh, yeah, let them know. Let all the McElroys know once you get your hands upon it. Uh, But you're also going to tell us lots of things like answer our question of the week, which is, did you get tickets for Marvel Studios Avengers Endgame? 
when and where are you seeing it? Three weeks to go. Uh, so that's a reminder. You can tweet your answers using hashtag This Week in Marvel. Email them to twimpodcast at marvel.com or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash This Week in Marvel. And it is now time for some of those questions and answers in the community section. First up is the Tech Lord saying, My Twim of the Week for March 27th was Age of X-Men, The Extremists, number two. Blob is such a lovable character here, and Psylocke is beautifully confusing and enchanting. Amazing emotional response to this issue. Bonus, it's funny. Bonus the second, she looks like Buffy. I guess I didn't notice the Buffy angle. I I loved Buffy when I was younger. I was all about Buffy. Yeah, but yeah, the, the extremist was really really good. All the Age of X Men stuff. I read the next Nightcrawler issue this morning on the train, which is coming out in a couple weeks. So good stuff. That one, yeah, it's got some twists and turns. So I tweeted out uh, that the tickets were on sale for Marvel Studios Avengers Endgame and pointed people to watch the special look at the movie on Marvel.com. And then a friend of the show, Karis Pollard, she said. Thought I was going to miss out due to crappy local cinema website and being on holiday, so having to go out for the day. But I have double bill midnight showing ticks, and I'm heading out to a theme park. So this is my This Week in Marvel moment of the week. You win. Oh, Karis, that's a three-hour movie. I hope you're ready. But she's doing, she's, I think she's doing Infinity War and then Endgame. She said double bill. But Starting at midnight? Yeah. No. Ooh. Ooh. That's an all-nighter. I love it. Yes, dude. That's an dude. all-nighter. That's hardcore. Uh, not as hardcore as the 12 oh. theaters in North America showing the 22 movie Marvel Studios Marathon. 59 hours in a change. So I, I did one at the El Capitan years ago for the release of Marvel Studios Avengers Age of Ultron. I think if you have the ability to do it and you think you can get through it all – do it. It's such a cool, weird experience. Yeah. And at that point, by Marvel Studios' Avengers Age of Ultron, oh, yeah. that's no, how many movies? There's like less than half of them. I, I think there were 11 at, or 12 at that point. Yeah. yeah. It's, in, <laughs> it's intense. It's really, really cool. Uh, all right. Martin Quibell says, I never even knew that Marvel did their own weekly podcast show. Oh, welcome. <laughs> I do now. Hashtag subscribed. Martin, you get five million twin points. Oh, those are valuable. They are very valuable. You can cash them in when I say so. And Chris Bursett says, if Wolverine came to Minnesota, I'd bake him a nice little hamburger and wild rice hot dish, don't you know? Oh, yeah. Well, I don't even know what a wild rice hot dish is. Well, you know, it's like a casserole. Is it? You're becoming a little Irish. It happens. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got to watch more Fargo, yeah. Oh, you know, sometimes I just watch me a little bit of Fargo, and then I have myself a nice little bit of cheese. <laughs> we have broken Persia, so I feel very good about this episode. All right, up next is Steve Agnew, who says, Great interview with Ben Percy on This Week in Marvel. Thank you to you, Jamie. Thank you. That was a blast. Love doing that. And... Bella Allian says to C.B. Sibelski, Agent M, and to Marvel, thanks for taking time with us. You guys were awesome. Oh, this is from C2E2. My daughter and I love the panel. It was a blast. Looking forward to the next two days at C2E2. Yeah, I just love it. Talking to fans, having a good time. It is good stuff. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You I betcha. Don't, I don't. Okay, <laughs> it's time for us to end this episode of This Weekend Marvel. Yeah, we're doing next week's in this whole entire accent the whole oh, time. Yeah. yeah, don't I'm you know? I'm going to have myself a great time just researching all of the This Weekend Marvel history, don't you know? Oh, yeah, we're going to bring in a nice hot dish for you. And everyone's just going to be real nice. Yeah, well, I'm, uh, I guess uh, my name has been Ryan. 
And I'm, and I'm Jamie, don't you know? Oh, well, uh, you just have yourself a great week. This is Marvel. Your universe. <laughs> <laughs>